Welcome to the Player Development Project podcast. My name is Dave Wright, co-founder and editor of Player Development Project. PDP is a website for coaches who are committed to learning, and we provide a huge library of resources which consists of cutting-edge insights from the world's most innovative player developers, coach educators, and researchers. If you want to learn from the best and join a community of like-minded coaches, then check out playerdevelopmentproject.com. On this week's Player Development Project podcast, we answer a question from our community and try to offer up advice on practical problems faced by coaches around the world. Hi everyone, welcome to another Player Development Project Q&A. Pleased to be joined once again by my colleague, PDP Technical Advisor, Dan Wright. Dan, how are you this week? I'm really good, thank you, mate. How are you? I'm good, I'm good. As you can see, I've, uh, we're on different time zones here and I've, I've just made the move to Melbourne from London, so very excited to meet a few people down here in the world of football in the last few days. It's been very interesting. It's a very pretty background. Is that is that real life or is that just a massive TV screen? It is. In fact, we've invested in a bigger banner and it's a fake city. So uh, no, that, <laughs> that is Melbourne behind me. So look, great to be here, mate. And uh, obviously on different time zones, but we've got a fantastic question to kick off the Q&A this week. It comes from Chris via the PDP Innovation Space, which is for the members of our website. And the question is, what is the best way to identify and develop a style of play for our club? I coach under nine boys and we're getting to the point where I feel we need to have a style of play to work towards. Interesting question. Mate, what are your thoughts to kick things off on this one? Yeah, I suppose we need to start with, you know, why would you think about implementing a style of play into into a large club? And I suppose that the key message is probably consistency. So you've got consistency, uh, you know, throughout the age groups, you might have consistency through your, your coaching philosophy. And I suppose that gives the, the players the best opportunity of progressing through the age groups and, and then gives you, you know, opportunity to, to move those players through those age groups. And then also, you know, you could um, build in, you know, the, the, the levels of technical detail, tactical detail throughout those age groups. So what does it look like under seven? What does it look like uh, under 10? What does it look like into those sort of the teenager years? And then as we get nearer to the first team, you know, do we mirror, mirror the first team style? Um, so, yeah, I'd say consistency is probably the, the main sort of advantage of implementing those styles of play. How about you? Yeah, look, I think in terms of breaking the game into moments, it can be a nice way to, uh, you know, to create, I guess, your body of work or the, the philosophy around how you train and then what you're looking for on game day in terms of knowledge transfer. So obviously we've both worked in academy environments and it's fairly commonplace now for clubs to have their own playing style or philosophy as to what they're looking for. And, and that may be variations uh, on the game, whether it's possession football and playing out or whether it's being a bit more direct. And I think from a learning perspective, breaking the game down into those moments is really important, whether it's in possession, out of possession, or the transition moments. Um, so I think that gives the players some clarity uh, around what you're looking for week to week or month to month, however you drive your syllabus as such. But I know on the flip side, we've spoken and you've referred to a lot about the player being the syllabus. So do you think there's any sort of disadvantages to having a, a fixed style of play curriculum or any, any other sort of term you use for it? Yeah, I think that I think probably one of the only limitations I can think of is that, that you know if you haven't got the players to play in a certain way. So if you if you're part of your style of players having a formation, um, and then you haven't got the group or you haven't got players in the group to to deliver that, are you giving the players in that group the best opportunity or best platform to succeed? So you know, for example, if you played three up front or you know a uh, four three three, and you've got a group with two or three exceptional number nines. You have to think about would it be better playing you know a, a two up top or a, a one behind a two because 
for a large portion of that player's time, he's going to have to play out of position. And, you know, if we're truly player-centred and, and we've got um, you know, two boys in the group or three boys in the group that we know are going to be number nines and strikers, perhaps we need to be adaptable. So I think there's then perhaps a balancing point between what you were talking about before, moments of the game or, or what are probably the principles of play, and then how much of that is determined by shape. So we could still have a style of play, but play in different shapes. Um so, you know, if, even if you look at Barcelona, they, they play a 4-3-3, but they can also play a 3-4-3, and then that, that affords you different opportunities, I guess. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I think there's probably, um, I think if you look at the progression of the way a lot of philosophies have evolved in the last few years around that academy football scene or, or within clubs who are implementing that kind of proactive approach, I think there are certain clubs that are quite rigid in the way they look at formations. But I think... The more we learn to understand about a playing philosophy, it's not necessarily designed to tie in directly with the formation. It's more about how you play the game. So whether it's building and playing through the thirds, that can obviously be done in loads of different formations. So I think it's important that if Chris is looking to, to really put a structural philosophy around the club, that maybe there's some fluidity and some flexibility within that framework around you know, how coaches can go and deliver that. Because if he's in a position, he might be coaching the under nines, but you'd assume based on the question that he's in a position where he can make some decisions around how the club's going to play, that he's going to have to trust his coaches to go and deliver that. And as you say, they may have to make a judgment on what sort of players they've got in their squad, what the level is, what their you know positions are, and, and where's best for them at that moment in time. Um, and give them some freedom to go and play in different shapes whilst trying to maintain that approach. So if it is playing mm. out from the back, you know, maybe your under-14 team who are playing 11-a-side can do that in a 3-5-2. If you've got three centre-backs who need to be getting exposure at playing central defensive and, and really trying to uh, play out from the back in a three because that's what's going to suit their individual needs. So that flexibility, I think, is really important. Yeah, and it always goes back to the game itself, doesn't it? So the principles of play, which we've discussed before, or, you know, like you said, you want to call it the moments, whether that's, you know, we retain and build, we're creating and scoring, we, you know, we're pressing high. So what you do in and out of possession for me is more your style of play than, than just the shape. So, you know, what does a team look like out of possession? So the team's always going to press high and try and win the ball back, you know, like a Liverpool and try and win it high and, and get the reward. Or are they going to try and build a block and win it late more like, you know, an Atletico or a Leicester? That for me would be the advantages of implementing a style of play because then if you've got age groups doing similar things then the language might be quite similar through those training sessions and players might actually have years and years of similar sort of coaching or similar sort of um, ideas which is only going to help them i think part of the the challenge of, of working in grassroots or in clubs that don't have a style of play is that um, every year that the player is getting a new coach and every year they're getting a new idea and a new set of values and a new you know what's important to us what important might be to get in behind straight away it might be important to keep the ball so the player might be taking you know a third of the season to work out actually okay how are we trying to play football before I can get on to okay how am I going to get better how am I going to learn to do this um, so so it, it's it's probably worth talking about who sort of owns this um, this direction who's in charge of, of, of leading where we're going and I suppose in different clubs that would be different people yeah, definitely. Obviously, you know, as I referred to earlier, Chris may be in a position where he can make some decisions, but I think this has got to be a shared, a shared decision or a shared vision, if you like. Um, and that can involve the players as well. Perhaps it's going to be a little bit more difficult at under nines to say to the kids, you know, do you want to build a playing philosophy? But they may have some ideas and there might be some, there might be some interesting ideas from young players of all ages as to how they think the game should be played and why. 
Um, so whether that's you know going to be a binding thing, it might just be nice to engage them in that conversation to get them thinking about the game. Um, but I think it's got to be shared amongst people within the club. And first of all, you know, why are we doing it? Well, we're doing it because the game sh we believe the game should be played uh, in this particular way. Uh, we're doing it because we'd love to see our players play a certain style, or we want to develop this type of player, whether it's creating exciting attacking players or whether it's really intelligent defenders. So I think just having a sort of group discussion within the club is going to be one of the first steps as to why we're doing it, what that looks like, and then how we're going to put that methodology together. So it may be breaking it down into five or six moments of the game, which a lot of clubs do, and it may be saying, right, we're going to work on something for two weeks at a time or four weeks at a time and just hone in on that area, and that's one way to go about actually delivering it. What are your thoughts in terms of who should be taking ownership and any thoughts on those ideas? Yeah, I think it's got to be like a collective a collective uh, conversation. It's got to be the people that are involved in delivering it. I think you might have a challenge if you're top of the tree and you're telling 20 coaches, this is what we're doing. Because um, there's going to be so much knowledge in, in the room if you're in a room with 20 coaches. So you might have some, some loose principles about width and depth and, and what we want to do with the ball and you know how we're going to create chances and set plays and stuff like that. But as you were speaking then, I was thinking one of the main sort of... Um, challenges here one of the main things you need to, to think about is tearing this apart occasionally so maybe at Christmas time or maybe the end of the season you've got to be brave enough to reflect and say first of all are we living this style of play are we living it every single week or is it just a document that we built and it looked great it looks great at the beginning of the season to show parents or are we actually living it day to day and then is it actually working so uh, if we're doing what we're doing is it is it producing players or are the players having fun or whatever your, you know your, your value list is because if we're just you know, we produce a document and then it sits on our computers and we, we roll it out every pre-season, but over five years we've never adapted it. I don't think that can be the answer either. Yeah, and I, I think just on that as well, I think the real test is going to be game day. So we've talked a lot in previous, uh, you know, previous discussions about knowledge transfer and actually seeing whether coaching is effective or whether players are taking concepts on. But it's going to be that moment where you're 2-1 down with 15 minutes to play and are you still going to stay true to that philosophy? Are your players relentlessly going to play out if that's what you want them to do? Or are they going to find ways um, you know, to try and you know, get a result if that's what you're after um, while sticking to the philosophy? Or is it going to be, let's shell it and go away from what we're trying to do just to nick a win? Now, now Yeah, or know, part, part of your philosophy could be, you know, we, we play adaptable shapes and find ways to win, to win games. I, exactly, I, don't think yeah. it's, I don't think it's always important to say, oh, we lost, but our philosophy was great yeah, today. Yeah, I agree. Like, like part of the philosophy could be we're going to change our shape to be effective against what the team are doing. Like that's still, it's still a learning outcome. I suppose it's the, the challenge is not being too chameleon and changing it every single week and saying that's your philosophy because then I'm not really sure you've got one. Um, do you think we've got any content on the website that could help with this question? Yeah, we certainly do. Uh, there's a couple of fantastic uh, webinars with different coaches. So the first one I'd recommend for uh, listeners and viewers would be Edu Rubio, who's uh, the under-18s coach and head of coaching up at uh, MK Dons there, developing forward-thinking players. A really interesting webinar with him, top coach. And also Jose Figuera, who's the head coach at Team Wellington over there in New Zealand. Great masterclass video with him on the principles of player development. So really sort of taps into that. And also just on the idea of playing style, obviously FC Barcelona is one of the best examples of being really true to a playing style. Highly recommend Jimmy Vaughan's work, both written and uh, his video webinar series around his PhD, where he was in Barca for a year around La Masia. So some good examples there. In terms of written content, issue 14 of the magazine was our Real Academy special. 
Uh, great article with Christian Speakman, who's doing fantastic things up there at Birmingham City. And of course, a really good insight uh, with Glenn Vandercran over at Feyenoord Academy. So plenty there for Chris to have a look at on the website. Dan, any final thoughts from you on this one? Yeah, I think the Barcelona uh, masterclass discussion is a really good example of perhaps a, f a philosophy that's evolved over time um, and, and the influences from the outside and the inside and how that sort of philosophy is what we see today. So, you know, when we were talking earlier about, you know, building the best PowerPoint display and then saying this is our philosophy and leaving it alone, I suppose Barcelona is a living example of something that's evolved and sort of, you know, got to a point where now it is successful, but occasionally they will have to go and buy this sort of player because that isn't the, the player that the academy produces. So, you know, a, a perfect example to look at, I guess. Excellent. Well, hopefully a few ideas there for Chris. And uh, Dan, thank you so much once again for your time. We'll look forward to another PDP Q&A very soon. Thanks for joining us on the Player Development Project podcast. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at PlayerDP or find us on Facebook. Don't forget to head over to playerdevelopmentproject.com where you can sign up to our progressive coaching community and gain access to our wide variety of resources to help you in your coaching.